Welcome to the Master Key Project Episode 8. Wizard, you have never been more enjoyable to be around. This is what I've been told. Thank you. Are we becoming best friends? Did we become did we just become best friends? Yup. I'm not go, I'm not gonna go in that snow globe, sorry. It's toasty. It's not cold like you think it is. Come on in. Quite warm. No. Episode 8, we interview Jeff Davis because if you remember in the previous episode, we ex briefly explored the expanded learning quality standards and we emphasized skill building, but we soon learned that we needed more context, history, and a little bit of knowledge on how the quality standards can be utilized. Well, Jeff Davis is here. He's here to help us, teach us, embrace us. And be defeated by the wizard. wizard episode in three two one what up everybody i'm joshua blecka and this is the master key project what if all doors could be unlocked the master key project expanded the learning. master key project it's the master key project master key yeah master key projects it's the master key project what if it was the master key project Master Key Project. Oh my gosh. The Master Key Project? What if it was the Master Key Project? No, it's the Master the Key Project. The three to project. six crew. It's the Master Key Project. That's what it is. It's the Master Key Project. Yo. Welcome to the Master Key Project. I am your host, Joshua Bluck, and I'm here, obviously, with the most electrifying group tandem of all time, the three to six crew. What's up? What's fellas? up? It's Jet. This is Lil C's. What's up? This is Joshy. Hey, you know what? We're we're pretty deep in these episodes now, and we have yet to actually say what three to six means. Now that I'm thinking about I think it, you're right. number three. Do you guys even... Oh, that's the <laughs> rankings. Lil C's number four. Oh, <laughs> I'm number five. That's oh. right. And we made I'm the not counting the wizard six. yet. No, not yet. No. <laughs> I believe three to six is the happy hour Sonic. All drinks are two dollars. That that would make sense. You'd know that. Like, <laughs> I would imagine your 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 system, your code is like corrupted with a whole bunch of spam, with, with just food being spammed. You know, he keeps signing up for these like uh, uh, email subscriptions, and she, he gets all of these emails into his his inbox. And I like how everything. you're projecting right now. He, <laughs> it's you. It's your emails that get spammed. All the right, let's keep. Still it. desires taste buds. Interesting. No, executive call being made. So, three to six crew, what's up? We have a very special guest. Um, like last episode, we got together as a group and just talked about and wrapped up some of the episodes. Huh? Put a little bow on some of these episodes that we've been recording. And yep, yeah. In that process, we talked about the quality standards. Yes. And I mean, we kind of talked about the history of the quality standards, and we pinpointed skill building, and then we kind of realized, hey, we have a great resource in somebody that we know who can help elaborate on the quality standards, exactly where they came from, why they were uh, created, and, and how they can help support programs. So are you guys ready for this guest that I recruited? Uh, yeah. Are we going back in time, or are we? Are <laughs> no. What's going on? No. I mean, this person might have to go back far in time in their memory, but no. <laughs> I will say, this person, like all the uh, previous guests, are on my Christmas list. Ooh. Oh. Yes. So I do consider this uh, Mi Amigo, 
So, mi amigo, Jeff Davis from California After School Network. Jeff Davis. So, just to give you guys an idea, Jeff Davis to me is a unique person, like all people, I guess. Uh, but what makes Jeff very, very cool is he's able to, uh, he's like a do-it-all. Like, he's a dude that can get in front of 300 people and give a seminar on just about anything. Um, he's a guy that can sit with you one-on-one in a restaurant and make you laugh. Oh, <laughs> Yeah, okay. he's also that I guy. Like that. Um, he's also a dude that's going to take time to teach you, educate you, um, but he's also going to take the time to learn and educate himself too. And I will say this, the dude never, ever, ever avoids an opportunity to have fun. Oh, I love that. I so, love that. Yep. Yeah. yeah. I, I feel like we're in a pre- the presence of a celebrity here. Uh, I would like to say so in expanded learning. Yeah. 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 So without further ado, Jeff Davis, did I miss anything? I just have one question. Yes. Is this the Master Key Project? This is the Master Key Project. Is this the Master Key Project? <laughs> the Master Key Project. Man, so, you know, I, I got to say that that was an incredible introduction and, and thank you for that. But I have to say that uh, I feel like I'm in uh, the presence of celebrity because I am such a big fan of the work that you all, the three to six crew do on this master key project. So thanks for everything that you're doing to spread the word. Well, thank you, Jeff. Thank you. You know, like I I gave some small details about who you are. Give us some more. Like, uh, I know you're a daddy, you know, what else? Who are you, man? Okay. Who, who is, who is Jeff Davis? Yes. Who is Jeff Davis? Okay. So that's, that's a big question, but you know, I'm going to say that, uh, uh, Jeff Davis is, is a dude that used to be a kid. And, uh, that kid grew up in Southern California and generally kind of enjoyed school up to about fifth grade. (laughs) Um, sounds about right. That's me too. And, uh, you know, I've, I really started to, um, to not enjoy school especially in high school. And, um, I, I started losing meaning in the whole endeavor and really started thinking like, okay, uh, you know, why are we doing all of this and why are we jumping through all of these hoops? Which by the way, I had no problem jumping through hoops. I just wasn't engaged. Um, and I'll say that as a senior in high school, I had great attendance at school and that's because my first period class was graphics. I did silk screening first period. So that was like my, oh. my, my, yeah, my own self-expression, the things that really meant a lot to me, um, to be, to exercise my own creativity. But that's probably the only reason that I ended up, uh, making it through my senior year and, and graduating. So I, my, my lifelong endeavor has been all about youth engagement, um, and starting early in college. That's when I first started working expanded learning, lining. um, through an AmeriCorps pro well, first through, uh, through a summer camp that I worked at and just fired up my passion and talent for youth work and, uh, and got into, uh, expanded learning as an AmeriCorps volunteer. Um, I've, I've gone on to do a number of things. Uh, I've, I've, been a, a program manager for an outdoor education center and, and summer camp. Um, <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I, I have absolutely 
been a ropes course facilitator um, and, uh, and, you know, led, led uh, outdoor leadership backpacking trips with youth. So I've, I've done a lot of education and enrichment in all sorts of different settings before coming to the California After School Network in 2007. Uh, when I started working on quality frameworks, which I know is what we're uh, what we're talking about today, but I think that you know what really drives me is the fact that I had all of these years of school that I could have been engaged, discovered my future, discovered my passion, and and I just felt like I feel like we're losing the opportunity uh, often, and that uh, expanded learning, man, it, it is the place where that opportunity happens, and it's just so meaningful for anybody that's. Uh, a practitioner in the field that's hearing this, like the work that you do yeah. each and every day is so meaningful to the kids. And yeah, a huge part of my life now is I am a daddy to a kindergartner and a three-year-old and the early learning professionals, uh, the, the, their kindergarten teacher, about, I'll tell you, my daughter's in a, a YMCA program. And when I ask her what happened at school, all she can talk about is that YMCA program. Um, so I know that like from kindergarten on, um, you know, uh, we may undervalue ourselves in the work that we do when we're in that space, but it is critical to those kids, critical to their development and critical to the parents and families. Um, so just thank you. Thank you to anyone in the expanded learning world. Um, thanks for the work that you do because it is a choice. Uh, you didn't have to do the work. Um, and, and I do feel like it's a calling as well. I agree. And it's surprising that, like, I guess my calling hit about 27. <laughs> uh, your calling was at about 18. So a little bit of age difference there. But um, I was going to ask, you had perfect attendance because of that, that class. It's like, what else were you doing? And then I, I connected the dots. There was a time when you showed me on your phone uh, a picture of you in high school. And That's right. And I saw, <laughs> and I saw your hair. You had a full blown afro. Right. What full blown afro? I wish we could cue that yeah. up. Yeah, that is awesome. So, yeah, that's another cool fact about Jeff Davis. Had an afro in high school. Nice. Yeah, nice. unfortunately, you can't see it through the audio, but you could uh, you could imagine a, 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 a young Jeff Davis senior in high school, uh, hair dyed black. And uh, frame to frame, um, yeah, it was on, it was a on, no cheapie. It 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 didn't lay flat. This thing was put together. Nice. This it it went out both sides and out the top of the frame of the picture. Oh man, that is so cool. It was it caught me off guard. I was like, oh gosh, that's amazing. So <laughs> so Jeff, you you gave us a glimpse into like your perspective on expanded learning and 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 that stuff, um, and and a little bit about your personal life. For the folks that don't know about California After School Network, just really quickly like a, a quick synopsis of what California After School Network does to support expanded learning. Yeah, sure, sure. Um, you know, it's interesting. When I talk to people that aren't in this world, I'll, I'll say something like uh, the California After School Network is a statewide nonprofit that uh, partners, with, uh, partners with the state and other, other funders, philanthropy, um, to help support the kids and families of California. But really what we do is we support school districts, community-based organizations, and expanded learning professionals um, and build their capacity and advocate for them in spaces like the legislature as well. 
so that every kid in, in California has access to a high quality expanded learning opportunity. Um, but for those in the field, what, uh, what I'd love for you to know about the California After School Network is that the California After School Network lives a motto of, of the field and for the field. Um, that means uh, our leadership team, which is essentially our board of directors, is a bunch of people, we, a geographically, professionally, and culturally diverse group of individuals that are all expanded learning professionals that are embedded in the field and have diverse perspectives. And they're the ones that guide our, our strategies, our strategic direction, um, and, and how we work together. Um, and uh, what we envision are compassionate communities that collaborate with out-of-school time and expanded learning programs to support whole children, families, and communities so that every young person, every family is well-known, well-cared for, and prepared to thrive. Man, that was good. So Jeff, that is a lot. So like for a first day tutor listening to this podcast, they're probably like, holy heck, what does that even mean? And for those people, you know, we wanted to bring on bring you on, Jeff, because last episode we talked about the quality standards in particular. And I know that that is one resource. You talk about helping out the students, the programs, the communities, and being able to cultivate um, what programs do in a set of standards that basically says, hey, this is quality. That is what you're talking about, yeah? Like providing resources like that, yeah? Yeah, I mean, that's that's a little bit of the what. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, I think I'll, I'll start maybe with, with a little teaser here, and, and we can elaborate on this, but the, the quality standards, I'm just going to go ahead and say that no matter what your position in expanded learning is, the quality standards are why you get up and go to work each and every day. All right, hearing the silence, I'll go ahead and elaborate on that. I felt like that was like a, like a you're throwing yourself an alley-oop. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for the three to six crew to start riffing on that. Um, <laughs> you're hypnotizing yeah, us, Jeff. So, <laughs> I want to hear more. So, I mean, think about it. Why do you go to work each and every day? right? You go to work each and every day to enrich the lives of the kids and families that you serve and to support their long-term success. Um, that's why we go to work each and every day. And uh, embedded in how we define quality is so much of what we know about what helps children and youth uh, uh, succeed and thrive in our world, not just in school, but in life in general, uh, in the long term. And that's why we go to work each and every day. And the quality standards sort of describes this is what it looks like when a program is operating at high quality. But when it is operating at high quality, the research tells us that we're actually on the road to achieving the outcomes that we go to work each and every day to achieve. Um, so this is just a common framework for us to all be able to describe uh, and, uh, and have a common language um, around what we're talking about when we mean quality. Uh, what we always say is that uh, it's, it's not a new thing. It's, it's just a way of describing the work that our expanded learning professionals are doing each and every day. And I think too, for the, for the folks that, you know, potentially new grantees or, or people new to the field, I also believe it's like, it's, 
so I usually give this analogy, like if I have to do if I do a presentation on the quality standards, I'll say, you know, let's 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 apply this to our life. Our our life. So if you go to the gym, you know, the overarching goal is to be a healthy, healthier version of yourself. And how I think about the quality standards are, you know, there's upper body and lower body. And the six point of service standards are like upper body lifts. And then programmatic is lower body lifts. And embedded in those different lifts are how to do it and what it's going to look like and the benefit. And I think that's exactly how we can look at those quality standards. And I think sometimes, uh, yeah, newer folks can look at something like the quality standards and go, I have to do all this? When, when, they just, when they're just themselves, they're probably going to accomplish most of those things, you know, just by being a good person and, and, and making sure that, that every decision that they make is, is right by kids. They're probably going to accomplish at least most of the point of service standards, you know. Yeah, I think that's a good point. I mean, that's a good way to just sort of put it, the overall goal, right? When you look at what we do in program as the activity of going to the gym, um, the overall goal being health, right? The the act of going to program and doing the work that we, we do each and every day, uh, the overall goal is quality, right? Quality is the North Star. Um, I think it's, it is worth saying that when you look at 12 different quality standards and you break them all down, it's like, what do the what do program leaders do? What does staff do? And what does this look like for our kids, our the participants in our programs? Um, that it can it can look uh, kind of intimidating. But what was really gratifying, and you know, I know that we're going to get into the history a little bit. But as we were building these quality standards, in the same way that the California After School Network works, like of the field and for the field, right? These were not created in a vacuum or in a windowless room um, in Sacramento. These were created by the field. And then when we took these things on the road, we, we had hundreds of uh, uh, practitioners in the field uh, provide input to the standards along the way. And what we were hearing as we were getting closer to finalizing um, was really uh, filled us uh, as the sort of as facilitating the creation of these standards. It really gave us a lot of gratitude um, because the the folks that we were sharing it with were like, well, yeah, this is what we strive for. This is what we strive to do each and every day. That's when we really knew, I think we are, were hitting the bullseyes that when we'd go and show it to people, people would say, yeah, that's what, that's what we do. That's what we try to do. That's what we continue to work on getting better at. So, uh, so yeah, these quality standards should be and are reflective of, of what folks do each and every day. Yeah. I, I, I think this is, um, I feel like for me, this is, especially for somebody who's new to expanded learning, like a day one tutor or even a new site, I feel like it's busting the myth of, like, Jeff, I like what you said about this wasn't, you know, developed in a windowless room in Sacramento. I love that because, you know, I'm wondering if a lot of, uh, you know, new tutors or new, somebody who's never been in expanded learning or just brand new in general, um, you know, they think that, oh, this is something I have to do. This is something that just is... You know, but they don't know that this is something that should just come natural um, as you're providing a quality pro quality program for students. And I love that we're busting that. Well, <clears throat> well, yeah, right. Like, and um, I I don't know anybody in this field because we're all so passion driven. Um, I don't know anybody in this field that that goes to work every day and says, you know, I I, I did good enough today. Um, I feel like everybody, right, whether it be on the, the drive home or in that post-program meeting or, you know, depending on what position you hold, 
you're always thinking about how you can improve on, on what you did. And, um, and, and that's just what drives us. Right. So this notion of quality and continuous improvement, it's, it's just what we do. Um, but it, it really does. Uh, it is, it's challenging, right? Because when you, when you put it into a fancy framework or you, you have a, a, a name of something like continuous quality improvement, people start to either get intimidated by it or they start yeah. to think, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to put it in this box and that, this is how I think about that. Um, and, you know, it's really, you know, when, when I think of quality, um, in fact, uh, I have to say, um, it's, it's really, <clears throat> it's really, it's really not, um, it's not anything fancy. And in fact, I think, um, you know, myself being such a fan of the master key project, of course, uh, I've listened to every currently available episode. <laughs> Thanks all for the two, hype. Thanks all for two the hype. of them. Yep. Yep. All two of them <laughs> right now, um, as, as we're speaking, but, uh, you had a guest that was an award-winning site coordinator, uh, on for your lights on after school, um, uh, episode and, and he just nailed it. He nailed what quality expanded learning is. And I'm wondering if we could just, oh, yeah. you know, like, let's break down the myth even further. Let's, let's take it out of a fancy framework. Let's put it into layman terms. And I'm wondering if uh, the three to six crew, uh, before we listen to the clip, are you able to just remind folks, um, is this amazing and award-winning site coordinator that we're hearing from? So this is Jermaine Armstrong from Tilly, uh, local site lead Von in Von the Tilly. Fresno County area. Yes. So, Wizard, will you do me a favor? Cue up the clip of Jermaine Armstrong, episode two. The Wizard is on it. Yeah, you know, and, and that, that, that's the beauty of it, you know, being able to work in this field, um, being consistent, you know, a lot of students need that consistency, right? And like I said um, earlier, being intentional, being intentional about what we do. What we do is we serve our students. We serve families. You know, I was reading something not too long ago. There's about 14 million students who go home alone every day. They, they're not in programs. You know, parents aren't home. And, you know, that's what, like almost one in four. And they don't have an opportunity to experience this, to come to a safe place that's going to, built their capacity, that they're going to learn dancing, they're going to learn steam, you know, they're going to learn cooking, you know, they're going to fall in love with something that they may do when they get older, you know, so, and, you know, another thing that I really want to touch on is think about the opportunity that expanded learning gives families. Families are able to work because they know their child is in a safe place. So you have generations of, of people who probably before because they couldn't afford daycare or other programs. Now they have a free program that they can come to that they know where their kids are going to get a snack. They're going to get their lives enriched. They're going to be safe and families are able to work. So now kids are growing up seeing mom and dad working. So they're going to strive to do the same thing. So I think we just, we all, learning offers so much um, when it comes to community. So Jeff, he, he really talked about community and, and programs being, can have a consistent uh, role that they play in, in a, in a young kid's life to the point where, um, they learn what it's like to give back to their own communities, you know? And, um, did you want to speak about that clip? Yeah. You know, I mean, um, you know, it was so powerful uh, to me when I first heard that clip and, um, 
full transparency in the audio right here. I didn't hear, hear the clip again, but I'll, I'll just riff on a little bit of what I, I kind of remember, you know, it, there was something about like, this is a place where we're really not only meeting the basic needs of kids. Right. But we're re- like, he really wanted the community to know that this is a place where we're helping kids to thrive, where they're, uh, they just have stuff that they're participating in that means something to them. They're discovering new passions, talents, experiencing uh, all sorts of new enrichment activities. Um, they're imagining a potential future for themselves and, and becoming inspired by that and that they're loved in the space. Um, but the other thing that, that uh, he sort of gets into as well is like, let's not forget uh, what a critical resource that expanded learning programs are to the families that uh, that we serve. And and again, as a parent, I mean, I can I can echo that uh, just wholeheartedly. In fact, um, I was just working with my my daughter last night to put together cards and um, for all of the staff in her expanded learning program. And uh, you know, she's just learning how to write, but she wrote. Uh, you know, thanks for all that you do for me and my family. And, uh, and that's what I hope that every expanded learning professional just would hear every day, or at least know every day that what you do each and every day is so important to the life of that kid and is critical to the success of that family. Yeah. I think, um, another thing too, about these quality standards, Jeff is, uh, you know, when I talk about leadership, we all know leadership's influence and, and and how do you influence people? Well, one, you have to have the ability, like, so you're not going to lead a group of people in a swimming pool if you don't know how to swim. (laughs) Uh, you also like, there's a commitment aspect. You got to be dedicated to make tough decisions that aren't going to benefit everybody in the group that you're leading. But more importantly, you have to have awareness, self-awareness. And I think what these quality standards do for the individuals that work in the program and for the programs is it allows them to be aware of the things that they do intentionally in their programs. So like if you take those leadership traits and you apply them to our expanded learning programs, it allows our expanded learning programs to be a leader on campuses because now we know exactly what we're trying to accomplish in these programs and they're defined in those quality standards, you know, because when, 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 when funding first came out, it's like, well, yeah, I mean, I do this really cool enrichment and it's tied to, uh, what did we talk about with that science teacher? You know, but now that we have these these quality standards, it's more intentional. So if you if you see a if you see a, a new staff member go, okay, skill building, I really, I, I I can I can really zero in on that because I know that in our program, you know, we do provide amazing opportunities for our kids. But I think we can be a little bit more intentional about what those twenty first century skills that we are trying to develop. You know, because to me, those are two different things. One, you have intentionality. The other is more let's have fun <laughs> you know um, so I, I also believe in, and funk has referred to these as like a guiding star but um th- they provide like newer folks an opportunity to say okay this is where i can be you know because i think too it's fair to say that a lot of programs do accomplish these in some form or fashion but for the newer programs newer staff this allows them to look up and go okay I can integrate some of this into my program, you know? So Jeff, you, you started to, to talk a little bit about the history of, of the quality standards. Tell us what you know. 
What do you know? What, <laughs> tell What do you know? Give us, give us, give us the the nitty gritty. Like, let's get back in the time. Why did they decide on twelve yeah. standards? You know, why why six point of service? Why six programmatic? You know, we weren't in those strategic planning meetings. Uh, I wasn't. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, you know, this is really part of a a, a really a longer evolution. But I, I wanted to speak to, as well to a little bit about what you just said, um, because you know the quality standards are a resource. Um, you know, as part of the, part of the, um, well, I'll, I'll kind of get into uh, a little bit of the history. And part of that history is the development of the learning and after school and summer principles. But if you think about what the quality standards do, it describes what an expanded learning program is. Um, so, you know, let's, let's say, um, for example, you are a site coordinator and you know what your kids love, you know what you're trying to accomplish, you know what your families need, um, and you've, you've sort of worked with your school partners and uh, you're, you're integrating with them and, uh, and you hear from the school principal, you know, like the important thing is that we're just really getting down with remedial reading and, uh, and math worksheets from three to six, except for snack. Um, and that's, that's what we need. And we're, you know, we just need just all of this remedial direct instruction in the afternoon. And as a site coordinator, you know that from three to six, that's not flying for your kids. Um, and, uh, and, and that your program is and could be so much more for the kids and families that you serve. Well, instead of saying, like, I'm a site coordinator with not a lot of power on this site, the principal holds all the power on this site. Uh, instead of saying, it is my personal opinion that we sh should not do worksheets all the whole time, what you can say is, well, actually, school principal, let me, let me share with you a little bit about what expanding learning is and what it could be. And let's look at safe and supportive environments. Let's look at healthy choices and behaviors, skill building. Let's look at youth voice and how youth lead this program, right? Um, and let's think about if these are the standards that we need to achieve, how do we work together to achieve these standards? Um, what I often um, share with our site level practitioners is that these quality standards are a third person in the room. And that third person is as, is as qualified as somebody that works in the California Department of Education's Expanded Learning Division, right? Uh, so now you're was, having that was amazing. Yeah, I the light bulb just went off. Yeah, I was like, like we need to put in like a clapping audio right there after that yeah. post production. <laughs> I've never heard that, but that is so true, Jeff. That is crazy. Yeah, the quality standards yeah. are third person in the room. That mind, is crazy. Mind blown right now. Keep yeah, going. Keep going. Is, this Keep going. is what this is what we tell practitioners all the time. You know, in some ways, you know, and this is going to sound um, turfish, right? And this, this is all about collaboration, which is one of the quality standards. Um, but part of that collaboration is being clear. This is what this is meant for. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and, and oftentimes the site coordinator does not feel empowered to do that because they don't have the, the whole uh, structure of the California Department of Education standing behind them saying, this is what uh, an expanded learning program is and could be. Um, and so it's not worksheets, right? This is like, how are we making sure that our kids are loved, that they're building skills, that they're informing and they're doing things that mean 
things to them, um, that this is informed by them, that we're collaborating authentically with families, that we're promoting their overall physical, social, uh, and emotional health, um, and that this is an environment that is welcoming and available to all, no matter your ability, your socioeconomic status, your race, uh, your, your gender identity, uh, that this is a place where we honor and celebrate uh, each and every human being for what they bring to the table. And now how can we work together as a school community and an expanded learning community to bring this kind of experience to life for the kids and families that we're serving? I could just listen to them all day. Talk about it. This. Just the way that you communicate it, it just makes it a whole lot less transactional. Yeah, you know, like, you know, when I look at because I have we have the quality standards up right now, uh, point of service quality standards, programmatic quality standards, and it just like it's broken down beautifully. You know, do you want to speak on that, Jeff? Like when when one side point of service programmatic on the other, what what was the intentionality behind that? If you remember, well, I do, but. We, if we want to get into the history, I actually want to go back a little bit farther. Let's do it. Or I guess f- further. Uh, farther is a measure of distance and further is a, is a measure of a concept. Uh, wizard, that, did oh, you know that? One? Did you know that, Wizard? Elementary. <laughs> <laughs> I have to say that, like, my dad probably knew one thing about grammar, and that was that. So I certainly walked away with that. Hey, hey, but it sounds impressive. That was yeah. impressive. <laughs> so let's let's go further back in in, uh, in history, and let's really um, let's really think about this. And this is actually all intertwined with the, the founding of the California After School Network as well, and and my beginning with with Can as an organization. Um, so, you know, we all know that in, well, many of us know, and, and maybe this is new information for the wizard that in the 2006-07 school year, that the ACES program really came to be in California, building on smaller programs that came before it. You know, the, those that were around, remember the Azel SNP and the Basil SNP program, and those were administered by the after school programs office before it was the expanded learning division. Um, and, uh, and so ACEs came and literally thousands of programs were invented overnight. And this is right about the time that I joined a, an emerging organization called the California After School Network. Uh, my first day on the job was February 28, 2007. Um, and I can remember, uh, where the field was at that time. And, uh, everybody was trying to figure out, and this might sound familiar for those of you who are now working with Expanded Learning Opportunities Grants and the Expanded Learning Opportunities Program, Uh, but thousands of programs were literally created overnight. And you had folks saying like, okay, I, I get it, right? Like one to 20 ratios, early release policies, uh, snack, right? The three components, the, the academic, the snack, the enrichment, um, you know, I'm, 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 I'm understanding this. Um, and so I can operate a basically compliant program, but what would it look like if I had a good program? Um, and that became really the first work of the California After School Network. And just as I've described who we are and how we do our work, we got together a geographically, professionally, and culturally diverse group of individuals 
uh, called the California After School Network Quality Committee. Um, these were folks that were TA providers, practitioners, and different um, folks that had special interests. There were folks that were really interested in nutrition, physical activity, really interested in how we support English learners and language development and you know, folks that with all of these different levels of expertise. And then we also had uh, a researcher uh, from UC Davis that uh, had some background in, in youth development. Um, and, uh, and, and we, be we began building quality frame, a quality framework um, together uh, in the same way that, that, you know, I've described that California After School Network works. We facilitated the process. We helped move the process along, but it was really owned by the field. Um, meanwhile, I have to give major props to the After School Programs Office because they partnered with, um, with WestEd. And this was just on the heels of the release of a book uh, by Bonnie Bernard called Resilience, What We Have Learned. And I'm about to break down an entire book of research on human development and child development um, really sort of briefly. I mean, what Bonnie Bernard surfaced was, I think, revolutionary and digestible. Uh, this was coming off the face of so many years of we need teen pregnancy prevention. We need like, like we need to prevent all the bad things. And this sort of shift was happening in terms of but wait a minute, what about an asset-based approach? And what about supporting positive development? Well, how does that happen? Um, Bonnie Bernard looked at all of the research from multiple fields, psychology, education, et cetera, on what helps promote healthy development. Now, this is healthy academic development, success in school, but this is healthy human development, success in life. Um, and here's, here it is. Um, caring relationships, high expectations, and opportunities for meaningful participation. So I'm going to say it again, caring relationships, high expectations, and opportunities for meaningful participation. That when we're loved, when somebody is behind us saying, you got this, I got you, and sometimes saying, I know you and you're better than that, and uh, saying, how do you want to engage, and, and really uh, helping to facilitate uh, something of meaning like my silk screening class, right? That got me to school each and every day. That when kids experience that, that's meeting their developmental needs. And that's promoting specific strengths that lead to long-term life success. Um, so I was actually in 2007, a trainer for this model funded by the After School Programs Office. So there were these two simultaneous efforts uh, going on to to share with the field, like, what is quality? And so one, this research-based notion of positive youth development and uh, what what builds resiliency and long-term success in kids and um, was going out through trainings of the after-school programs office in this group uh, convened by the California After-School Network was really, and then embedding those principles all throughout uh, a, a a very simple tool that we ended up releasing in um, first in 2007, getting even more field input, and then re-releasing in 2009, uh, called the California After School Program Quality Self-Assessment Tool. And uh, uh, that tool is still in wide use today. Um, 
and uh, and is available at afterschoolnetwork.org. And anybody uh, can access it, download it for free. Um, Seamless pitch. <laughs> yes, yes. Any any resource that you can use to define and build towards quality, right? Because quality is why we get up every single day to do our work because it, it, it results in these outcomes for kids. Anyhow, that was the release of the quality self-assessment tool. And um, down the road a few years later, uh, there, was this, uh, there was this movement convened by how kids learn um, around learning and after school and summer. And you, you'll remember the, the, the uh, five learning and after school and summer principles. And while I don't have them L-I-A-S. in front of me, L-I-A-S. Yes. Expand, uh, stu- let's, ex- let's, expand student horizons. Yep. That's, Lear- that's the one that we want to promote <laughs> learning that is active. Yes. Lear- learning that is collaborative. I, b- I believe that it's learning that is meaningful. Yes. Yes. Learning, learning that expands horizons. That's four or five. Come on, help me three four. to six crew. What else four. we got? Or four or five. Uh, I looked at this the other day. Active. Yeah. Collaborative. Meaningful. Horizons, uh, horizons, and expands horizons. But then there's another one. Okay, well, this is this is really gonna this is really gonna get me. We need <laughs> we need a fact checker that actually has the ability. Wizard, beef up. <laughs> there you go. Uh, we'll okay, let's see. We, we'll find that out, Jeff. In the meantime, uh, keep going. Okay, active, collaborative, collaborative. Meaningful supports mastery. Oh, the supports last episode mastery. was about oh, skill building. I was say supportive. How does that even? We focused so hard on skill building last episode. How did we not <laughs> supports mastery? All right. And expands horizons. And this was another way of just sort of saying we need a simple frame to define the space. Right. The the uh, quality self assessment tool was uh, was a way people program practitioners could really plan for quality. Um, but these learning and after school and summer principles were another way to say, um, this is what expanded learning is and should be, um, and shouldn't be a bunch of worksheets, right? It, it should be, it should look in these ways. Um, and then to, to, you know, moving down the road, both of these things, the, the quality, uh, the quality assessment tool and the learning and after school and summer principles become the foundation of what we now know as the quality standards for expanded learning in California. Boom. And, and uh, a lot of this also, right, uh, came to be when the after school pro- pro- programs office became the expanded learning division. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michael Funk is hired as the, the new director of this division. Um, and uh, Michael learns from, uh, from, folks at the national level, uh, that there's, there's this movement all in, in multiple states throughout the nation to, to establish quality standards for, uh, for out-of-school time or after-school, uh, in California's case, expanded learning. Um, and so, uh, so we brought together a group of folks that, um, that came together and said, okay, we, we are going to take these resources and we're going to create a set of standards, and this was done over a uh, about two two and a half year process uh, through two uh, unique working groups. One that first created the framework of the 
uh, originally submitted 11 standards, Ooh. which became 12. What? Um, What's the 12th? Did you guys know that? I didn't know. I, I, didn't know I had no clue. I did not know that. Facts. Did the wizard know that? Fact. No. No. He didn't. <laughs> Sorry, wizard. I feel Fact, like they should the make original... a movie about this. <laughs> you know, they really should because, like, this this history really is important, right? Um, but, uh, but yeah, the originally submitted 11 standards did not include sustainability. And uh, the Department of Ed actually uh, reviewed the standards and then worked with, uh, worked with the, the work group to say, like, what do you think about a 12th standard of which the work group said that's ab- absolutely right on. Um, I think that the work group originally thought that a lot of that sustainability was embedded in the program management. Yeah. standard and that if you if you implemented those standards then you're going to have sustainability but it was really important to the department of ed that we name right like uh our programs uh especially then you know were underfunded and so it was it was imperative uh, on programs to to have community partnerships and um to to really be thinking about uh, how you're bringing in additional both cash and in-kind resources to to help support um, the quality of the program. So, um, so sustainability became the 12th standard. And then the second work group took those standards and created the standards in action. Um, and the idea is, uh, this is a, this is an all hands on deck approach. It's, it's not a site level mandate. This is a program level mandate. And so what they really wanted to do in these standards in action is to say, okay, what do program leaders do? Right. So this is not uh, many of these standards don't describe uh, a static state. They are action statements. Program leaders do this. Staff do this. And the result is participants do this or participants experience this. Uh, So looking at the programmatic, the staff and the participant level, um, this is what quality looks like. So I thought that 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 really that second work group uh did a ton of work to uh to put together um what that standard really looks like from a variety of lenses and to make it clear that this is this is on all of us yes. right um and it's not just the site coordinator and site staff mandate to run a quality program without effective program management leadership support for the capacity building of those staff uh, that that's, you know, this doesn't happen by accident. This is an intentional process that we're all involved. Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. And I remember when the quality standards first came out and it was like, oh, yes, cool. Like, and from 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 my perspective, the position that I held at the time, it was a multi-site manager. So a lot of what I focused on was providing you know, capacity building opportunities for staff. And when the quality standards came out, and even when the LIAS principles came out, it was like, cool, I can ground the content in something, you know? And when the quality standards took that additional step of outlining what it looks like for a student, what it looks like for a a frontline staff member, and then programmatically what it looks like, my mind was like, wow, you know? Because I just believe, like, and I've told you this before, Jeff, I think I've actually communicated this analogy before. There's two, there's, more often than not, there's two types of people. When you ask them to draw an elephant, there's the person that goes, well, where's the picture of the elephant? And then the other person goes, okay. And they draw based off memory or something that they've seen in the past, you know? 
And I think what the quality standards do, what the quality standards do, and especially that outline version of the different, um, how the different, you know, the the frontline staff, um, the programmatically what it looks like, I think that helps those individuals say, hey, okay, this is what it looks like. I don't have to guess as to what it looks like, you know? And it's not that they need to do it verbatim as exactly how it says in there, but it's at least a path, you know? And I think that's so important in the field of, of education, especially expanded learning when, when we're still we're still new, you know? You think about it, like 20-something 20, 20 years? You know, I know expanded learning has existed outside of those 20-something years, but I'm talking about, like, state and federally funded. It's like we, we're still new. We're still, we're still, one of the most common quotes we hear in our field is how, how can we professionalize the field? Well, I'll tell you what, creating a, a level of expectation in our field is, is one way to do that, you know? The quality standards are the elephant. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, for but, those of you guys who didn't get that. <laughs> but not the elephant in the room. No, no. You know, I, I will say, um, <laughs> I'm really excited we're having this conversation just because, like you said, it really breaks it down especially for like day one tutors. Cause I know if, uh, when I was a day one tutor, someone handed me the quality standards, it can look like a systematic protocol, right? Yeah. But in reality, you're being handed a cheat sheet that, you know, if you reverse engineer it, you can make, you know, you can have intent behind your enrichment and program and what you do and that makes a quality program. And that's what you highlighted uh, in the Lights On episode, Los C's, was mm -hmm. intentionality. Yeah. And it's right. This is this is a path for folks in expanded learning to be just a little bit more intentional. You know, and I and I honestly believe when the LIS principles came out, like it's amazing. That was amazing. And but I think that this was a natural pro progression to get to the twelve quality standards. And I know that they're supposed to be used in hand in hand, but I just feel like that the quality standards are just a little bit more detailed um, as far as what the what 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 programs can do as far as providing the highest level of quality for our students. So, Jeff, dude, you taught me some things today I've never even heard before, and I expected that. That was in my uh, quality standard for today. <laughs> yeah, I'm really enjoying. I, this I'm still so stuck on on when he mentioned the third person visually, like seeing the quality standards as that, you know, and and it just goes to show just how impactful they they are. And you know, it goes back to what Jet was saying earlier: is a lot of the times, as uh, tutors uh, or site leads, if you just you know you are yourself, you're being yourself, and you're just you know, intentionally trying to do the best for the students. A lot of the times you're just naturally implementing these standards without even realizing it. Because you're always looking for opportunities to mm -hmm. to better. Like, I mean, I think you guys mentioned earlier, you know, it, it, the, the job didn't, doesn't end um, when program ends. You're, you're going home and you're trying to figure out, okay, so, okay, we, we did really good today. All right, so how can, do, how can we do better? Like how much yes. more excitement, how much more opportunities can we provide for the kids? Like I want to top what I just did today, yeah. you know, and that's just that's just a beautiful thing. And it's natural. Right. But, you know, the quality standards put that in perspective, especially for those where that doesn't come natural for those who needs the picture of the elephant. Yeah. Instead of remembering, right. you know, getting I'm telling you, it's, it's, memory. A, it's a cheat sheet, you know, so. Well, the, the reason why the, the cheat sheet piece is so important and, and the third person in the room is so important is because we have to remember that <clears throat> whether you're a community-based organization, a school district, a statewide system of expanded learning, 
programs, right? <clears throat> All of these things are, are systems. And systems are inherently flawed and incomplete. And probably the biggest flaw about systems that humans create and humans participate in is the people themselves, right? Um, the truth is that systems are made up of a bunch of individual human beings that all come together with all of their own baggage and uh, preconceived notions and uh, Right. And there's all these elements of hierarchy, power, positionality, privilege. And uh, and and so systems never work the way that they're designed to work because of the people. Um, so when you when you make this an impassioned plea from a site coordinator to a principal that holds a, a different uh, perspective about what the program should be, um, you know, th this is something that is is fraught, right? That's going to damage a human relationship, and that's going to uh, that's probably going to deflate the site coordinator because their passion that they're bringing to the table and what they know is right is not being heard or listened to. They're being directed to do something that perhaps they don't think is the best thing to do for the program. So when you take the people out of it and to say like. Let's now turn our attention instead of on each other and instead of this being a, uh, something about where you, you think this is just about what I believe or what, you know, what my personality is, this is actually something to say, like, right, no, we've got the CDE in the room saying this is what we need to work on. So let's now turn our attention instead of on each other onto this third person, onto this piece of paper. Let's let our energy go there and to think about where we can find alignment and things that we both agree on and how we can move these things forward. Um, otherwise, right, the, the site coordinator is really not going to win many of those discussions because of the, where they are in relation to the system uh, and the hierarchy. No doubt. And I think, too, a part of what you're speaking about is, you know, having conversations around the quality standards, you know, and I think uh, one of the processes that came out of the development of the quality standards, and I don't know the history, I just, I just, you know, it's my own personal timeline. Um, when the quality standards came out, a process followed up almost immediately called the continuous quality improvement process. And I think I might, I think we might request you to come on in a part two. Jeff, just because uh, if we go into CQI now, it'll probably be like a two-hour episode, um, and people won't listen to that. So maybe we'll we'll, well, we'll well. Let me offer a teaser on that yes. because one of the things that the quality standards were designed for was to create this level of north star, so that programs could plan toward. We used to say like, um, you know, you're not going to just jump to the moon right? You've got to build your stepladder and you are where you are and you're not where you're not. And you've got to just figure out where you are in relation to that big audacious goal. And then what is the one immediate step that you need to take? Um, and then if you can get that small win, that's one step toward the moon. Um, and you celebrate that next step. But what I also want to share is just, you know, uh, look, so many people out there listening to this probably say like, yeah, I know, I know about CQI. Um, I was emailed a CQI plan from 
the district office and told to print it out and put it into a file. And, you know, if, if, if they ever come knocking, then I can <laughs> show them I, I have, I have the file. Right. And I'm not even sure who the, who the they is, but I, I just want to share some wisdom. And, and um, this, this wisdom comes from, it's, it's not my own, but it's, it's a story in a, in a process. I love to love to share anytime I have the opportunity. It comes from Nate Houston. Um, who is just an amazing practitioner from the Center for Fathers and Families here Sacramento. in Sacramento. And, uh, you know, like, got to give props to Nate Houston. We're rolling out the quality standards in this continuous quality improvement process. And Nate just raised his hand and he's like, this is what we do. And let me tell you how we do it. And for those folks that are working on site, like, let's, let's let this story just demystify continuous quality improvement and CQI. Because again, once there's a fancy framework or a name for something, it's abstracted and everybody has their own opinion on what it is, including it's the paper I keep in the file for when they come. Yeah. Um, and so here's what Nate said. He stood up in the middle of, I think what was probably our second statewide training on continuous quality improvement. He's like, I get it. This is what we do. Okay, so every single day in the program, I have my staff walk around with uh, a uh, just a little post-it pad in their pockets. And what they're doing is they're just passively gathering quotes from the students, not like saying like, hey, how's the program going today? And then writing it down, but things that they actually hear the students volunteer. Um, I'm bored. Uh, snack is great today. Snack sucks today. I don't want to go home. This is awesome. Um, Right. Like, can we do something else or when are we going to do this? Um, I failed, and my, they, I they failed write, my math test. <laughs> right? <laughs> and they write all of these things down on the, the post-it pads. And then, you know, they, they take all of their bins and everything. They bring them back to the portable. They, they're, they're cleaned up for the day. Right. They've, they've taken the trash out and they, they have a big whiteboard and um, they, uh, they just put up all the, the post-it notes and they kind of arrange them, you know, like for those of you that have done those consensus workshops where there's a bunch of pieces of paper on a sticky wall, you kind of arrange them in themes. They would take 15 minutes or less and they would look at every, all the data that people gathered. And then they thought, okay, what's one thing that we can do tomorrow? And what's one thing that we'd like want to think about more longer term? Um, so tomorrow when we do phase two of that activity, I'm not going to spend as much time on this. I'm going to get right into it. Right. Um, but this was something that they used to say, here's data. It's, it's, it's specifically coming from youth voice, right. And it's around how the participants in the program are experiencing what the adults are offering them. And then they say, okay, what have we learned today? And what do we want to do differently tomorrow? And what might we want to put in motion to how we might uh, improve over time. And it was really those sort of like three questions that they would ask themselves at the end of each day. It took 15 or 20 minutes, um, but it was a way to take, to have a data-driven reflection on the quality of your program and think about how you can improve. Um, that is CQI. And it is that simple. Um, what happened? What went well? What could be better? What are we going to do next? That's CQI. Yeah. And, and, and again, right, like, the, I'm not telling you anything you don't already do. 
you know, the unfortunate part is when you have just thousands of program sites, you got to put these things into policy. Yeah. And once they get into policy, they're abstracted. But it is really, it is really that simple. You know, I think what what can also impact these processes is it's no secret that our field has a turnover issue. So these processes that that once a program gets comfortable with, new staff member comes in and it's gone, you know? Yeah. So I, I think about that too when when – I mean, because you would think that a grantee creates a system that regardless of staff are there, you know, that's sustainability. It's something that, that goes beyond the people that work in the program. But, you know, that's some of the things that I see in, in when I work with programs is, well, this person left. What do we do? <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I, here's, here's the thing with that. I, you know, a lot of our programs are, you know, staff by tutors or somebody who is currently going to college. Right, they've got they've got their schedule or whatnot, but they're most likely comes from that community, and I don't think that's a bad thing. I think you know it gives students, the younger students, um, you know, the ability to see somebody from their community doing something in their program and working towards something better. Um, now, I I do acknowledge that there is a turnover rate because you know being in college, having different schedules every semester, you know. It, as passionate as you are, sometimes there are things that you have to do. And, and that's just reality. But I, I think, you know, part of the things that I think expanded learning is doing well is having professional development, having people like, you know, you, Josh, having people like you, Jeff, and, and all of us, and, and you know, giving, and, and this podcast, the Master Key Project, right? Giving this information so that way it, it, it lives on to, you know, for the new people to come in and say oh so that's what it's about yeah. you know so 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 being intentional about improving our programs improving ourselves that's what it's all well, about do you want to know why this podcast started one because of you jet but two <laughs> we did our own we did our as a system of support like locally we did a we did a cqi we realized that the only mechanism for transferring of knowledge was the the point at which people can attend our offerings so are they available at the times that we host these things? And honestly, that's that's kind of negligent because that means that there's a there's a whole group of people who have a second job or go to school right. who are not going to exactly. get any of that information. Mm-hmm. So why not create a mechanism that allows them to tune in to, yep. to to gain knowledge whenever they feel like that they have the time, you know? Yep. And that was that that was the. I mean, that's why I was so interested in, in partnering with you guys to do this. But Jeff, there's some history for you. well i i also just want to lift up you know and uh the great vision of uh of a legend in our field frank escobar um because i remember years ago uh he was pitching this very concept um at boost conference (laughs) to a funder um and at the time he was the he was one of the co-chairs of the california after school network leadership team of the field for the field um and uh, and he said this very thing, right? We need a way to reach our site level staff, but it needs to be malleable and flexible and on their time because of because of who they are and and uh, in the lives that they live. And he was pitching this uh, notion that what expanded learning really needs is a podcast. And uh, so I'm I'm just super excited to see. The Master Key Project come to life. I just want to give a shout out to, to Frank Escobar, who also uh, shared this vision. And uh, and as a mission 
not organization, right? As a, as, as a constellation, not stars. It's not about who or how, right? It's just about that it's happening and that it's available for, for our uh, site level practitioners. So kudos to the three to six crew for, for bringing this to life and, um, and making this available for our field. Respect Jeff. And because you're so experienced in the continuous quality improvement process, maybe we will recruit you in a special mission on how we can make the master key project better after season one. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. You know, you know what I'm, I will, I'm, I'll, I'll throw something out right now. Um, this sounds like like Oprah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I, I have, uh, it's getting back to what we were all talking about and actually in terms of turnover. Um, and it's clear that there are some really sort of like core issues into the way that our programs are structured into the ways that our staff are, are paid and compensated, uh, whether our work is, ha- is part-time or full-time, or do we have benefits and do we have opportunities for advancement, right? Of, like, are we ever going to, are we going to break the site coordinator ceiling, if you will, yeah. and go to the next level of, of position, right? And, um, you know, I got to say that, like, uh, you know, I may have never left direct service <laughs> um, <laughs> if it if it would have paid adequately, right? And somewhere along the line, you know, like I I had to find my next thing for for my own life and my own development. So I think we have a lot. You know, here's here's an episode idea. I mean, workforce development, and there's a lot of folks uh, in our field right now, including the workforce implementation committee that the the CDE is convening. Um, there's a lot of talk about workforce, and I know that you can do a whole episode about workforce, but speaking of our workforce, uh, we did a survey of site coordinators statewide a couple years ago, and what we found out is that 75% of our site coordinators are females, and uh, 75% of our site coordinators are people of color. Um, so here is my challenge to the three to six crew. The three to six crew needs some ladies. Yeah, we need we need yeah. we we I need agree. some uh, we need some female representation yeah. Yeah. Uh, because that is that is our field. You know, as I was sitting writing the um, the Christmas cards or the you know which are really just love cards to to the after school staff for my daughter. Um, she's like, look, I'm going to write Mr. And then Ms. 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 <laughs> I'm like, yep. Because all of, all of her after school program staff, and then think about this, except the director are women. The director is a man. Um, so, you know, just all to say, right. That we, we are a field, uh, we are a field of women. Um, and, uh, so I'm, I'm always, uh, you know, as, as, somebody who's not a woman and is somebody who is part of an organization that's, that is of the field and for the field, uh, as part of, uh, you know, um, you're hearing me, you're not seeing me, but I'm a Caucasian male. Right. So i I understand that the California after school networks job and my job is first and foremost to listen and to hear and to, to really let the voices of the field drive my actions because my lived experience is uh is not as a woman and is not as a person of color and and these are the these are the people that i serve these are uh you know um this is our field 
So, uh, so yeah, C2I season two, we need some ladies on the three to six crew. Dude. So not, it wasn't a car, but it is a vehicle mm-hmm. to a fantastic implementation idea. I mean, you handed nice. us the challenge. Accepted. Boom. Look at that. That is why you are Ooh. a podcast host, Josh Black. <laughs> Did someone say challenge? So, Jeff Davis, I know you've been doing push-ups all morning because I told you about uh, you having to challenge the wizard. Um, are you ready? I'm ready. You yeah, are? I really had to work hard to, to beat an algorithm. Um, <laughs> so, so, uh, so artfully designed yes by uh he definitely has by a, the tech crew down there he has an attitude problem and he's he has zero humility but um w- i feel like he's like my- what's that idea that like the dog takes on the personality of the owner i feel like the wizard's taking on the personality of the three to six group we need to we need to do some <laughs> self-reflecting he's been listening to us yeah. a lot um so jeff really quick i, I do have to uh I do have to offer, though, to the wizard that uh, three to six, right, in the Sonic Happy Hour piece, that would not likely meet the nutrition standards for healthy snacks and is not reflective uh, of the healthy choices and behavior standard of the quality standards for expanded learning in California. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure that the wizard's first estimation of the three to six crew is, uh, is, is not necessarily correct. So... Jeff Davis, I didn't know that you played in the NBA because you just threw us the perfect alley oop. So that's actually what our next episode is on: is healthy choices and behaviors. Um, so I want to want to thank you for that. One thing that we did not talk about, really quick, Jeff, is uh, it was not shared that you participated in a workshop at Boost with the local crew at Fresno. And what role did you play in in that workshop at Boost? Well, uh. This is uh, this is another thing that you know I'm just extremely <laughs> proud of, um, and uh, you know um, just to, more kudos to just the just here's creative ways to to really get the message out there. And so the the Region Seven crew, uh, I'm I'm probably going to botch the title, but created a, a fantastic script and a whole play uh, called uh, something like Quality Through the through the emerald lens. Through the lens of emerald glasses. Yeah. Whole Wizard of Oz. Whole Wizard of and, Oz. Uh, it, it was a whole Wizard of Oz story where each of the characters were either the kids or the family members or stakeholders. Uh, or a, stakeholders. Uh, uh, yeah, they were the stakeholders. And they all had to go down this journey, uh, down the yellow brick road together to reach uh, to reach quality. And when they did, uh, they made it to Munch Can Land. Um, <laughs> can, of course, being the... California After School Network. The acronym, the acronym for the California After School Network. So, of course, I was the mayor of Munch Can Land. And uh, that's sort of a dual meaning because I'm not, a, I'm not tall in stature. Um, so, uh, <laughs> so definitely the... <laughs> the the mayor of Munchkin Land was was an appropriate character uh, for me, but we gave them, as Can does, the tools and the resources, uh, and we showed them the road. Uh, but we also told them that we cannot walk this journey for them. That this is something that they're going to have to determine um, together. And that was, I think, just an amazing story. Someone of what remembers is their quality. lives. 
Someone remembers their lines because that was actually a direct quote from your script. So, all right, Jeff. So I wanted to bring that up because we would be negligent if we did not bring that up because that was an example of you taking full advantage of an opportunity to have fun while learning or teaching. So are you excited for this upcoming opportunity to teach while having fun, while challenging the wizard? I'm in. Let's go. Okay. Three to six crew, you guys ready? Yeah, let's do it. it. Okay. So first off. Three to six crew, real quick. Who do you think is going to take this, Jeff Davis or the Wizard? You know, even though I made the Wizard, I'm th- I think Jeff is going to take this. Yeah. One. Jeff, all the Jeff, way. all the yeah. way. Wow. Sorry, Wizard. Sorry, Wizard. That's that's a resounding <laughs> vote of <laughs> resounding vote of confidence. So I'm so. But you know, it's it's a learning opportunity, and even with the loss on the Wizard's end, he's learning. Yeah, this is good. There's he, no he, such thing as losses. So, there's lessons. That's what taking the L stands for. You're taking a lesson, wizard. <laughs> that's right. Um, all right, so here's the deal. Go ahead, wizard. Defend yourself. Mr. Jeff Davis, it pleases me that you are also the mayor of Manchester. Because after your defeat, I wish to defeat this wizard of Oz. For I am the greatest wizard ever. And I have no competition. <laughs> Do you have an Emerald City? My city has been made up silicone. Yes, a snow globe. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jeff Davis. This is called Challenge. Challenge the Wizard. So here's the question. This is a top three. You got to give us the top three. And Jeff, we'll start with you. No, we usually start with the wizard, huh? Yeah, we'll start yeah, with I think the so, we'll yeah. start with the wizard first. You got to build it up. What are the foundational principles to positive youth development. So, Wizard, what are the foundational principles to positive youth development? Top three. Good luck. This is tough for the Wizard. He doesn't have any children of his own. <laughs> you haven't prog- that, programmed that in yet? No. It's supposed to happen naturally. It's an AI. Come on. Okay, youth development for children. Hmm. Uh, something about being supportive. Um, of course, the wizard believes that strong discipline is the only way to raise children. Um, something about mastery. But I can be the only master here. All of you are apprentices. This is amazing because I almost thought that he was referencing the LAIS principles for yeah. a second there. Yeah, I was like, wow, he actually learned something. He was listening. And he was no, going in the right direction. He went right, right back to the wizard school. I do. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Jeff Davis, help this, help this wizard out. That wasn't right. <laughs> well, let's help this wizard out. And I, I do, I do want to reference the other wizard, of course, uh, because uh, – in quality through the emerald glasses, the wizard, of course, was the director of the expanded learning division, none other than uh, Michael Funk. And, um, you know, I'm going to bring up something that, that Michael just shares all the time. Another, right? Like, let's break down the fancy frameworks. Lead with love. Um, and it is all about love. And, uh, and that is a research-based principle just like a lot of these quality, the quality standards are grounded in research. Um, but the, the three principles of positive youth development, as defined by Bonnie Bernard in her seminal text released in 2004, uh, resiliency, what we have learned, those 
three features are caring relationships, high expectations, and opportunities for meaningful participation. These are the contexts in our schools, our families, our communities, and our expanded learning programs that meet the developmental needs of, of uh, children and support their long-term success in school and in life. So lead with love, you will get to learning. And that is, uh, that is another wizard's great quote. Swish. Drops the mic. So Jeff, Jeff, really quick. So the three principles are what? Caring relationships, high expectations, and opportunities for meaningful participation. So that actually was mentioned in the middle of this episode. So yeah. Wizard, yeah, the on, Wizard should have got yeah, that. Wizard yeah. was on vacation or something because uh, he was not listening. Yeah, we need to ramp up that in the code. <laughs> Is that what it's called? Got to learn you know, faster. <laughs> but but that that really gets to it, right? Because fancy frameworks, right? It's love. It's love. And that is a research-based and research-supported approach. I, I, totally. 100%. Jeff Davis, you've given yep. us everything today. History, context. Uh, an amazing quote that I'm going to reference probably forever, as long as That's the quality right. standards exist. Yep. Quality well, standards thank you. Person. Thank you to uh, the three to six crew. Um, thank you to the Master Jeff. T Project. It was it was a lot of fun coming and uh, just chatting about the history, chatting about the importance of our work, and you know, once again, just thank you for all you're doing to do anything that you can to reach anyone that you can. Well, Jeff Davis, we won't we won't absorb any more of your time, but we look forward to a part two potentially. Absolutely. Are you are you game? Are you down? I'm game. It would be my honor and privilege. Thank you, sir. And I know you have many connections across the state, so be on the lookout. We might tag you for um, a workforce uh, representative. I'll be ready. Okay. Be well, my friend. Three to six crew, we are out of here. What episode is this? I don't even know. Six. six. That is not true. No, this we is can't episode, be six. This is either episode seven or eight. eight. That's how you know you made yeah. it when you start losing count of how many episodes. <laughs> Jeff Davis, we're out of here. Three to six, we're out of here. Wizard, we're Wizard out. go Thank do you. something. Get a job. <laughs> Lead with love. Lead with love. That's right. Always. <laughs>